Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to our teaching podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website at sunridgechurch.org. And of course, we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit to learn and worship along with us. And now, here's our teaching for this week. Good morning, Sunridge Church. Hey, so we, you guys are doing this series through the Ten Commandments uh, this summer. And as I drove up to your campus today, I broke the Tenth Commandment. It says, thou shalt not covet. Uh, See here, you guys have this beautiful facility. You guys have something here uh, that's known, I guess, in the, in the world of business and commerce and churches called a, wait for it, parking lot. <laughs> we don't have one of these down uh, where, where we are. It's just so fun and good to be here. It's been fun to get to know Britt over the years. And a, a quick bit of my story is... And, and connection with Sunridge here, uh, gosh, 30 years ago, I was down at a church down in North County, San Diego. And the, before the whole idea of like this idea of multi-site churches and video venues and stuff like that, people trying to figure out how to handle growth, limited facilities, we heard about this church called Sunridge up here. Some of you were here right here back at Temecula Middle School day. Some of you were probably here, a few of you there. And so we came up here to say, how do you guys how do church in a box? Because nobody was doing that really yet. You guys were the cutting edge of that. We learned a great deal from you on that. Then we moved up here and I met with different people here on your staff, on your team. People are here trying to help us figure out how do we do church in a school. We don't have a clue what we were doing. Super helpful for what you guys did there. And then about four or five years into our church getting started, uh, the school district decided, we don't want you here anymore for some reason. Um, maybe they come in, came and heard me speak one time and just like, yeah, no more of that nonsense. And so uh, we were trying to scramble around trying to find a place. And I remember sitting here calling some of you guys, people here. I'm not even sure who it was that was in that room and just said, hey, we're scrambling. Could we use your nine o'clock? You're not doing student ministries at your earlier service then. Could you do it? And there was such a great sense of openness and like, let's see if we can figure this out. Now it turns out that didn't need to happen. We didn't work all that out, but I've uh, been so grateful for your partnership. And then over the last several years, especially getting to know Britt and, and you guys here, it's been super, super fun. The eighth commandment in Exodus chapter 20, it's not a real complicated one, it says, thou shalt not steal the old school Bibles. Now, when we do this, we kind of think, okay, thou shalt not steal. What are we going to talk about for next 15, 20, 30, whatever minutes we're going to do here? Uh, but when you look at the Hebraic linguistic etymology of this, we're going to put the bit on the screen there. It's, uh, that's the, the words in Hebrew. And it's interesting that when you look at that, and you'll see there's a couple little dashes down below some of those letters right, right below there. When you do that, there's a profound meaning that comes from the Hebrew language. That what we, in the English language, it's thou shalt not steal. You know what it translates into Hebrew? It's fascinating. Look at it. <laughs> Don't steal. It's kind of like, I, I see the go, so a little bit of like, I wanted to stand up there and say, look, don't steal. 
Let's take the offering and go, uh, go to the movies or go to get restaurant reservations, get up for everybody else does. It's not real complicated. And, and the tricky part of this is, um, you know, don't steal, don't take shortcuts, don't take what doesn't belong to you. And I almost feel like when I was, when, when Britt told me, hey, do number eight, that eighth commandment, I kind of thought, well, duh. If you're newer to faith and Christianity and stuff, you're going, do, do we really need to be told? Don't take what doesn't belong to us. And those of you that have children or have ever worked with children know that from time to time, uh, maybe you were this person when you were in high school or middle high school ages where you came to your parents and said, well, dad, you never told me that I couldn't take the car out at three o'clock in the morning and sneak out to my friend's house and do all kinds of stuff. I think sometimes God puts things in your go so we don't tell them, well, you never told us we couldn't steal. He puts it in there to let us know, hey, this is an important thing here. The good part about stealing, the reason it's there is there's the draw of money and, and possessions that we think we want this and we want to shortcut that. We don't want to have to work hard for it and get it ourselves. So stealing is all about a shortcut. And of course, with money and, and possessions, you, you'll see the Amazon vans. Now I'll say contents may cause happiness. Just give us enough of your money and you can be happy. The draw of money is probably best uh, explained to us by a modern day worship leader named Ariana Grande. Here's up in the screen here. Whoever said money can't solve your problems must not have had enough money to solve them. There's a bit of that out there. And then of course the, the modern day prophet Notorious B.I.G. Mo Money Mo problems. Yeah, even you old people know that one, like me. That's awesome. Now, when we look at this idea of the, the Ten Commandments and don't steal, it's easy to look at this one and go, well, I'm not a thief. This is not one. I know some people maybe should hear this at my work or stuff like this. I don't steal. And the, the truth is, as they do polls on this, not religious polling, but because the, these commandments, these rules are kind of embedded in our culture about stealing, when they do polls on this, not from church people, just from ordinary people. They say, it typically comes out to 86% of people say, I don't, I don't have a problem with this one. I'm good to go on that one. And I'm thinking though that if God puts it in the top 10, what should be very self-evident to us, like no duh, don't steal, there might be mm, something else I'll look at here. So in the spirit of Jeff Foxworthy, and you might be a redneck if, today we're going to do you might be a thief if. So you're going to write some things down here if you want. They'll be up on the screen. You might, I might be a thief if I take PCP. Now, slow down here. not the PCP drug, but if I, here, here to fill it in, it's I take people, uh, content, or property. The scripture is going to over and over again talk about don't, don't traffic in people. That probably isn't a big deal for any of us today here, but that is listed out there over and over again. Don't use, don't traffic in people. It's also the idea of don't take property. Don't take stuff that doesn't belong to you. This is the idea of shoplifting, robbery, Stuff like that. It might be even things like hmm, office supplies that nobody will ever know. Things like that. But our biggest problem probably in the 21st century in, in America today is probably not so much about trafficking in people or trafficking in property. It might be in content. Uh, I just discovered about two months ago this thing called Chat GPT. Anybody out there found that yet? That thing's crazy. It will... Students that are here, if you're here today, it'll write papers for you and your teacher will never be able to figure it out. 
It's crazy. You can steal stuff that doesn't belong to you. Back in the day, you could just, you did it by getting other people to write papers for you and things like that or not attributing resources or, or your content to somebody else. Um, in our world with, with uh, digital piracy, digital stealing, things like, um, let's just step right in it for a bit here, shared passwords from somebody else's streaming thing, maybe that's just my problem. Um, back in the day, it was like music content. Remember back in the day, a thing called Napster? Napster. And here's the, here's the thing at, at church I would hear from people. And they would say things like this, well, come on, Steve. I, I didn't steal that. I just borrowed it from somebody who stole it. From some Russian website where they downloaded it illegally. And so I just borrowed it from them. We've gotten better and better at stealing digital content in the world of like movies. Getting home movies and stuff like that. And, and right now, it was funny, doing research for this. I was reading a book on this. And this is back, you know, 20 years ago now. Back in 2004, when people were just beginning to figure out how to steal movies. You know, the number one, in that, at that point, the number one most digitally pirated movie was in 2004? The Passion of the Christ. All the Christians were stealing it for the goodness of God to share the gospel with their friends, I guess. I don't know what it was. So I might be a thief if I take people content properties. Number two, I might be a thief if I do shady schemes. This is the whole idea of, uh, uh, Proverbs talks about this a lot. The idea of uh, inaccurate scales, inaccurate weights, don't do that kind of stuff. That's just passive stealing where you're, this is the deal today where people say, well, kind of the world we live in now and with accounting practices, with, with, with the way things kind of work, there's just kind of the way we, we kind of have to do things now to, ma- to make things work. So accounting practices, and the Bible's talk a great deal about them, insurance schemes where it's like, hey, I could do the, this or cook the books this. And here's the deal. With this one, so many people do it that nobody thinks they're stealing. They think, well, that's just the way it works in the real world, Steve. You can't, come on, you can't have to be weird about this. So, shady schemes. Number three, I might be a thief if I take advantage of the poor. This is uh, people that have no access to courts or resources to help them. Am I taking advantage of the poor? Sometimes it might be for us like holding back rightfully earned wages, not paying people what they deserve because we can get away with it because they have no recourse for it or not paying people. There's all kinds of verses in the scriptures about that. Sometimes it's leveraging crisis to our benefit. Uh, You'll see this over and over again. Remember in this thing, I mean, have you heard about COVID-19, the pandemic? The number of times this kind of stuff happened where people were leveraging crisis to get all kinds of money out of people. Uh, there's the idea of excessive interest, like the idea of payday loans, those kind of things, or just a crazy exorbitant interest out of that kind of thing. Now, those first three, you might be sitting here today going, okay, I'm pretty good. Until we get to number four and five. Number four, I might be a thief if I don't pay my taxes. Oh, dead silence in the room on that one, huh? And now look, I'm not talking about the idea of, <laughs> I'm not telling you, pay as much taxes as you can. That'd be dumb. And there's certainly, like, there's places in there, there's deductions and counting practices. They're rightfully earned loopholes, deductions. You should take advantage of every single one of those. But I'm telling you, all kinds of ways we do where all kind of shady practices of cheating the government, under the table cash deals, so I don't have to pay taxes on that money. In your Bibles, find the book of Romans. 
Book of Romans, find it on your mobile device, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, if you're newer to this. Um, in the book of Romans, Paul writes about this. Romans chapter 13. He says it this way. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants. A moment on that. That means even the authority you think is a hot mess, ridiculous, jerk, disaster. You know, you know who put him in power? Not the crazy liberals or the crazy concern. You know who put him in power? God put him in power. They're serving God in that position. And look, I'm just the mailman. If you don't like that, <laughs> that's what God's telling us here. They give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So the idea of, the crazy part about some of these things, like the idea of, of uh, taking things that aren't ours from big companies like Netflix, Amazon, illegally downloading stuff, uh, things like, you know, not paying taxes. The, the rational, uh, rationalization on it is this, is come on, Steve. What's, what's my little big and hurt? That's a big, massive, multi-trillion dollar corporation called the U.S. government or multi-billion dollar corporation out there. What's it going to hurt? I'm not really hurting anyone, really. And the God, God's going to tell us very clear, when you don't pay your taxes, you're stealing. You're not giving to somebody what you owe them. Number five, I might be a thief if I don't give my first and best to God. And give my first and best to God is to people God cares about and to the, the places that God has set up here to, that are part of like outposts in his kingdom to fund the ministry that he has going on there. That God makes it very, very clear in the scriptures. Every single one of us. Now, let me take a second here. If you're not yet a Christian today, if you're just kicking the tires in this thing, get on your mobile device. They probably have free Wi-Fi here. I don't, know, I don't know about that. Just get on there and just get ignore this next three or four or five minutes here. This is just for Christians today. This little next part right here. So if you're not yet a Christian here, it's not about trying to get you to give money yet. Give your heart to God first before you give him your wallet. But that's a different discussion for a different day. Um, but not giving God my first and best. God makes it very, very clear in all kinds of places in the scriptures. The, the money that you earn, he's given you enough and, and told you there's a portion of that that doesn't belong to you. Now, ultimately, Jesus is going to raise the bar and goes, none of it belongs to you. It all belongs to me. But throughout the scripture, he say, there's a portion of that that's especially set aside to give to God and to give to his causes. Malachi, uh, back a few pages to the left in your Bible. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi 3, look at verse 8. It says there, will a man rob God? And the answer is like, well, we don't rob God. We don't steal from God, right? We're, we're at church on a Sunday morning. None of us rob God. And yet God says, yeah, you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. I mark that in your Bibles, robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings you won't have enough room for it. I'll permit pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields. And he goes on and on to talk about all the great blessings that will come if we follow him. So here's the deal today. And I, I love this because um, 
I got no skin in this game here at Cross Point. Whenever I speak of this in my church, it's like, well, I get paid by the church. And so when I talk about giving to church, it's like, well, like he's just saying that because he needs more money so he can get a raise or pay people. All that kind of, this is, I got nothing here. That's, that I, you're giving here to some doesn't make one bit of difference to me. But I'm just telling you today, if you're a Christian and you're not giving sacrificially and significantly to Sunridge Church, you are stealing. And you're not stealing from Sunridge, you're stealing from God. You're stealing from God on that. And God makes it very clear in these verses here. He says, look, you can give to me what doesn't belong to you anyway. I want to bless you like crazy. So he says, get in on that. Give to me what doesn't belong to you. Off the top, you're first and you're best. And people all go all the time, well, tithing is like at 10% off the gross or off the net. What about commission? You know, first and best is the most important thing here. Give your first and best to God and watch what he does. He says, on the other hand, if you don't give to me what really doesn't belong to you anyway, he says, I'm going to come and get it anyway. I'm going to, cur- you have a curse. Like things aren't going to work for you. He says, do it the right way. Don't rob me of what's rightfully mine. And again, he's not saying that because uh, he, he doesn't have enough money or the church doesn't have enough money. He's saying like, this is for your benefit. You do this thing right and freedom will come for you. So five simple ways right there that you can take a look at at some point and go, okay, Maybe like going to like, you, you plug your car, you know, you go to the car, there's a thing, something wrong with your car and you go to the auto shop and they put the little thing on it, plug it all in and go, and it puts out little codes here. Maybe this could be a little thing to check out today. Are there some things there that I might need to pay attention to when it comes to how I'm doing with stealing? I might be a thief if. Now, when it comes to these laws though, the tricky part with this is, if we're not careful, and I've heard uh, a couple of talks in this series, you guys have already talked about this a bit. There's the letter of the law, and the spirit of the law. And sometimes we'll do with this, we'll do what the people did in Jesus' day and go, well, okay, it says don't steal. And so what we do is we use the law. We use the law not as a mirror, but as a microscope. The, the law, these things are designed for us to look at. But what we're doing here, some of you are sitting here right near going, I know some people who need to hear this. And we get our microscope out. You know what a microscope does? Some of you know, right? It takes things that are very, very small and makes them... Big. So we'll take that microscope, not on ourselves, and we'll turn it on other people we know out there and point out their faults and what they do and what they don't do and all that kind of stuff. Look, the, the law is never given to you to, to, hold, to, to zoom into other people's lives and, and point out what's wrong with them. The law is given to you as a mirror to go, hmm, do I measure up? Now, the tricky part about the law also, we're going to find out <laughs> over and over again uh, throughout the whole scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament is, we're a hot mess, ridiculous disaster when it comes to keeping these laws. And the worst people of all are the people that think, I'm pretty good here. Jesus had the biggest problem with people who thought they were pretty good. Came after him all the time to say, you are not as cool as you think you are. Because Jesus would say over and over again, he would, he would challenge that. We'll get to that in a second. The other thing we'll do with it though, with the laws, is we'll go, well, hmm, I know it says don't commit adultery. Don't swear. Don't don't, uh, these rules. And what we'll tend to do, the human nature, maybe it's not you guys, maybe it's just my people at Crosspoint Church. Maybe here at Sunridge, you have, you're way better people here. But here's what we do with the law. God goes, okay, don't do that. And we go, hmm. How close that line can I get? And so we'll do this thing as well. Technically, 
I didn't really steal. I technically I didn't really swear. Technically I didn't violate the Sabbath. Technically I I didn't do it. And so we'll try to do all that. And Jesus over and over again would call that out. Back in the early days uh, when Jesus showed up, there was there's all these laws and rules that were in their scriptures. And then they had honestly shelves of books that would cover that wall that would tell you Okay, here's what it means to keep the Sabbath and not keep the Sabbath. Here's what it means to steal or not steal. They even had things like this, where Jesus called out the religious leaders, the pastors of that day going, look, you're telling people that you don't have to honor your parents because you could tell them, well, that money that I was supposed to support you with, I'm going to give it to the church. He goes, you've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole spirit of what that is all about. And you'll see there in your notes, he says, there he goes again. Because Jesus over and over and over again is not going to let us do that thing of microscoping other people or doing this, how close to the line, how can I technically keep the rule without crossing over it and making God mad and getting zapped by him. He does this where he says in Matthew chapter 5, you have heard that it was said in the Bible you read that today. Some of you have been Christians a long time ago. Heard it said in the law. Well, the law is dumb. No, back then that was their Bible. They didn't have the New Testament yet. You have heard that it was said in the Bible, "Don't do this." And then Jesus did this crazy thing, and he'd say, "But I say to you." And what Jesus does, he puts himself on equal footing with the Scriptures. He says, look, you have missed the point on this. And he would over again, what Jesus always does, he never lowers the, lowers the bar on what the Old Testament calls us to do. He always raises it. He says, you've, you've heard it says don't kill people. I tell you, if you even think about, there's anger with somebody. Murder is how God looks at that. So he's going to over and over again challenge us on this. And, and here's why then what the what Jesus' earliest followers did is they write letters to these churches that are getting started all over the Roman Empire They'll say things like this, like, hey, it's not enough to just thou shalt not. There needs to be some thou shalt. Uh, he, in Ephesians chapter 4, find that. We're going to be there in a bit. I'm going to read a couple of verses there. In Ephesians 4, he, uh, Paul's talking about this life that you have. And he says, hey, in this new life you have in Christ, he says, you had these old, nasty, grimy, gruddy, cruddy, smelly ugh, clothes on. Take those old clothes off. Take the old clothes off. And he says, put on the new clothes. This is what the theologians call the doctrine of sanctification. Progressive sanctification. Being what's the righteous, true of you. Put on the new stuff that God has for you. And let him change you slowly but surely over time. And so he's going to say, it's not enough to just not do things. Otherwise, you're a naked Christian. You take off the old clothes. All the bad stuff that thou shalt not. And you're walking around. Well, at least I'm not doing this, this, and this. And Jesus goes, I got something better for you. I got something better for you that's so much, so much, so much better than this. Um, another way to look at it too is uh, men in the house, how many have wives that watch every version of the HGTV home improvement specials? Yeah, you know, right? It's crazy. And they're all kind of the same show. But I have learned some things. About, H, from, about our development when it comes to uh, HGTV and how God wants to change us. If you had, say, you got home today and the, somebody did something in the water, you had this much standing water in your house. And then you get in there and go, oh dang, it's been leaking for a while. There's mold in the walls and the tile's a mess and the carpet's a mess. And you call a good contractor in to say, we got to take care of this problem. 
And the carpenter comes in and says, okay, we got to get rid of all the nasty stuff out there. And they come in and they call it, remember on, on the first episode of this, what is it called? Demo day. It's demo day. And they go in there and they rip out the old nasty cabinets. They rip out the old carpet. And imagine that contractor, he gets all that stuff done and he goes, okay, we got rid of the nasty stuff. Awesome. Is he done yet? No, he's not done yet. He got done with the first part. But until he actually goes in and puts in the new stuff. So what God's telling us is like, look, I, I don't want you to just run around, like take the old stuff off. Just worry about the thou shalt nots. I want you to have some, I want to see the job get done in your life. So it's take off the old, put on the new. Don't just do the, stop doing the bad stuff. Start putting into practice this new stuff that I have for you. And he talks about this. He talks about this in, uh, in Ephesians, uh, but we're going to get to that in just, uh, yeah, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, on this idea of stealing. Ephesians 4, 28, he says it this way, he who has been stealing must steal no longer. Now keep in mind right now, Paul is not writing this to the city of Ephesus. You know he's writing it to? You. People that come to church on a Sunday morning. Some of you, he said, are stealing. Stop stealing. I think it's funny. Like, people all the time think the early church was so beautiful and awesome and amazing. No, it wasn't. It was just as big a mess as the church we have today. That's the reason we have half the New Testament. Because they were a hot mess. And God, Paul's writing them and telling them, hey, what are you doing? He says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. So it's not enough to just say, quit stealing. You, you got to work at some things, he says. And then doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. This is the framework now for what God wants to do to move from thou shalt not to thou shalt. The pattern of transformation when it comes to your money, when it comes to your finances, to move away from shortcuts and being lazy to the transformation that he wants. Uh, here's the pathway for this, a little strategy for us. Thou shalt, number one, work hard at contentment. Work hard at contentment. Proverbs chapter 30 talks about this. In Proverbs chapter 30, Proverbs 37, actually 7 through 9, I think it's going to be. I think only 7 and 8 will come up on the screen. But 37, 30 says, Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Don't refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me. I don't want to be a guy shady with integrity and lying and stuff. He says, but give me only my daily bread. Give me just what he's saying there. Give me just what I need. Otherwise, I have, may have too much and disown you and say, who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. He's saying, look, we have to give me just enough. I don't want to have too much where I, the, the typical thing with richer people have too much is they, uh, who needs God anymore because everything's great and beautiful. But if you have too little, Tempted to steal. Tempted to go take shortcuts. I just don't have enough. He says, he tells us to work hard at contentment. Paul echoes this idea over in the book of Philippians. Kind of well-known verses. You've been a Christian for a while. Philippians chapter 4. In this letter to this church in Philippi, he's, he's thanking them. You guys have been awesome. He said, you've helped me out like crazy. Even when other churches weren't helping me out, you guys helped me out. And then he says in verse, verse 11. I am not saying this because I'm in need. For I have, what's that next word there? Is it, uh, is it on the screen or no? No. For I have, I'll just tell you. For I have learned to be content. 
In other words, contentment does not come naturally. That's why you have to work hard at it. I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me the strength. What he's talking about here is working hard at contentment because it doesn't come easy. We have to learn it. It doesn't just flow. You're not going to get to a point in your life and just go, content, happy. And you get there, right? You get there, you're, you're, maybe you're Teddy going, okay, He's a halfway decent communicator here. Contentment. I'm going to go work at that. I'm going to go content. And you're going to get in your car. And the radio you turn on, you're going to get on your social media sites. And the algorithm that knows you better than you probably know yourself is going to tell you you're not content. Here's what you need. It's going to tell you how to be more content. You have to work at it. It means saving. It means living on less than you make. It's like these great courses. I don't know what you guys do. Financial Peace University and all different kinds of courses like that are designed to help us cultivate contentment. So we're not tempted to want more and more and more or because we don't have enough to, to be shady with taking stuff that doesn't belong to us. He's also going to tell us though, we, we saw it here in Ephesians he says, stop stealing. He says, work hard at your job. So number two is, work hard at your job. The pathway to the freedom that God has for you is to don't take shortcuts, doing shady stuff. Work hard at your job so you have enough. So you aren't tempted to shortcut and steal. There's verses in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians that are there on that note sheet today. You can look those up later as you kind of dig deeper into this to see uh, what that might mean for you. But in Ephesians, what we just read here, he says, stop stealing. Stop stealing. He said, he says, work hard so you don't have to steal uh, and, take, and cut corners. But he's also going to tell us this. If we're not careful, especially here in the West where we live in beautiful homes, drive beautiful cars, buy, you know, what, six, seven, eight dollar cups of coffee. <laughs> if we're not careful, we can do that. I'll go, okay, God, I'm not going to, I'm going to be content. I'm going to work hard. And if we're not careful, then money can kind of take over our life. Because the ultimate goal, you see it there in Ephesians, wasn't just work hard so that you don't steal and that you have enough. He says work hard so that you have stuff that you can give to be as generous as possible, which is number three. In the spirit of thou shalt not steal, the third way you have financial freedom is to work hard at generosity. Work hard at generosity to your church. To needy people, Matthew 25 talks about God. He says, look, when I'm poor and, and, and struggling, you, when you give to those people, he says, you're giving it to me, ultimately, not just to those people. Work hard. I heard a guy say years and years ago, um, th there's this idea that if you're rich or if you have more than you need as a Christian, that you should have less and less and that this true sign of authentic spirituality is just have just barely enough to get by. That's just not true at all. I'm going to tell you today, the scripture make it very, very clear. Make as much as you can so that you can give as much as you can, not so that you can consume as much as you can. Work as much as you can so you can give as much as you can. Luke 6.38 says this, give, it'll be given to you. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 says, th says this, when it comes to your finances, refresh others and you'll be refreshed. This is what Malachi was telling us. Like, look, give to God what doesn't belong to you anyway and just watch what he does to bless your life. And I probably should take a moment here to go, look, this does not mean if you give to God, go buy lottery tickets. What, it's up to a billion dollars right now and you'll win? It's not the whole deal. Because I'm just telling you, in my life, 
As I've learned the secret of giving to God off the top, my first invest, being generous, all of a sudden, money takes its rightful place in my life. I'm no longer clamoring over it or stressed out about it. Uh, there's, uh, there's a great little quote. I think it'll be up on the screen. Yeah. It says this, Every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. Perpetual generosity is a perpetual de-deification of money. That's the spirit of what Moses says, and thou shalt not steal, what Paul tells us, what Jesus tells us, hey, I have something better for you than just stop doing the bad stuff. I want you to start doing the good stuff here. And so here's the deal. We probably get in this message today in about three minutes. So here's the three-minute version. If you forget everything else I said today, here's what it is. If you forget everything else I said, uh, there's the starting point of this. The starting point is don't take from others what doesn't belong to you. And again, that's kind of like, well, no, duh, don't take from others what doesn't belong to you. But the ultimate point that Jesus is getting us to is this. Give to others what doesn't belong to them. And that's how you make sure that you follow through on that spirit of what Moses is talking about here in this. And again, guys, if we're not careful with this, we, this can be all about code compliance. This can be all about we're trying to, to, to practice this code of making sure we don't steal, making sure we're not making God. God's not there in heaven going, okay, the stealing one, I know so you, did, you downloaded that and you're not doing this at work. I don't want to do that. You can be very careful about code compliance. It's also, though, also not... It's also not this idea of just behavior modification about just make sure we do stop doing the right stuff and start doing the wrong stuff. The reason we ultimately do this is found, it's fueled by the good news, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we had a debt to him that we could not pay. We were traitorous rebels against the creator of the universe. And he was in his rightful place to exact that debt from us and, and we're done. And the penalty for that was eternal separation from God in this life and the next one. And instead of leaving us in our rightful place, when Jesus comes, he pays the penalty for that sin and he forgives us. But I think sometimes over the years, that's all we've talked about. And we think that all the gospel is, is okay, you had this nasty record over here, this massive debt you owe to God, and God zeroed that out. And that's certainly what he did. But God didn't just get you back to neutral. You know what he did? He says he imputed all of his righteousness, all of his goodness. So now you have all that credited, that crazy wealth credited to your account. Because of what Jesus does for us in, the, in, the de in his death and resurrection. And the beautiful part about it is you're no longer traitors and rebels. He says now he calls us not just undocumented immigrants living in, I'll let you live here. He says, you're now full citizens with the full rights of a citizen of God's kingdom. And, and no longer are you rebels against God. No longer are you God's enemies. He says, now he calls you crazy. You're friends of God. And then the thing I just, I can't get my mind around, and I've been a Christian now for a while, I cannot get my mind around this last one, that we're not just, hmm, we're not just citizens and we're not just friends of God. He adopted us as his own children. He let us be called his children. I wouldn't have done that for any of you. For if you had done the kind of things to God that we have done to him. I wouldn't do it for you to bring you into my family. The crazy, amazing, reckless of God. This is, what, this is the gospel that fuels this kind of generosity. So, thou shalt not steal. Let's work hard. Work hard at contentment. 
Work hard at working hard and work hard at practicing generosity. I'm going to pray for us while the band comes up. Jesus, today, my prayer for us is that you would get this, get this in not just into our heads as a theological concept, but God, as we turn our attention now to just learning things about you, God, that we would get in our, the guts of our soul who you are, how much you love us, and what you've done for us. God, we just love you today and thank you for that gift that goes beyond words. Hey everybody, it's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need something, if you have a question, or you'd just like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. We hope you'll listen in again next week, but in the meantime, keep helping people find and follow Jesus.